Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Smackdown, but also Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Cedric, Michael Hamlet, enjoying another well-earned week off to review everything that happened on SmackDown. Slightly delayed, of course, because we had a bank holiday weekend here in the UK. This is the first chance we've got to talk about it. But, Cedric, what did you reckon to SmackDown this week? It was a show. <laughs> I love that. I love I'm not throwing shade on Melter and Alvarez but that's their go-to when they are just completely unmoved by a WWE show that isn't so bad mm-hmm. like last night's Raw, which incidentally you can listen to the review of why it was so bad, wherever you get your podcast from. Whenever this feel unmoved by a show that wasn't so terrible that you're compelled to bury it, they'll go, yeah, it was a show. So I'm going to do the same bloody thing. Yeah, it was a show. It felt conspicuous by a certain person's absence. I think a lot of people assumed Brock Lesnar was going to show up on this show. Uh, hence why the reaction maybe wasn't what we'd expect for, for Finn Balor. I did enjoy that. Um, but yeah, did you were you expect... Because I know they'd not explicitly said Brock's coming back, but they did basically, basically say fallout from SummerSlam with pictures of Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar. And we got half of that, I suppose. Indeed. In a very technical sense, they did give us fallout on the events of SummerSlam in that the Usos and Paul Heyman seemed to be in conflict about who knew what about Brock Lesnar. And if he's your guy, why didn't you know he was coming, even mm-hmm. if you're not in charge of him or whatever? So they did, in fact, deal on some level with the fallout of Brock Lesnar returning, only Brock Lesnar didn't return. Look, the show was sold tacitly or otherwise on follow-up to... Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch appearing at SummerSlam. One of those returning stars actually appeared on SmackDown. The other didn't. And the one who did, I thought, entered a eh, a performance. Yeah, let's talk about this because we were all anticipating this heel turn or the beginnings of a heel turn for 
for Becky Lynch. And Well, it's the show started with her coming out to a huge reaction, of course. Becky chants left, right, and center. She gets on the mic. Uh, she talks about giving up the title 18 months ago and working every day to make her return. Uh, talks about SummerSlam. The fans boo, of course, with the result and the way that went down. Uh, she said, yeah, some people do think my tactics were underhanded, but I'd like to apologize for absolutely nothing. Discount Conor McGregor, basically. Uh, the fans did have a huge pop for that, and I just thought, oh, yeah, I remember when Conor was... Uh, Bianca Belair interrupts. She gets a great reaction as well, to be fair. EST chance. Uh, she talked about defending the title every night since she won it. She accepted Lynch's last-minute challenge at SummerSlam. How about she and Lynch have a rematch tonight for the SmackDown Women's Championship before Becky Lynch can respond? <laughs> Out comes Zelina Vega. She's mocking Bianca for begging for a rematch. There's a you suck chant along in there. She wants a title shot instead. Out comes Carmella. Choo-choo. Bromo train, of course. Um, thought that uh, Becky Lynch should actually defend the title, not against Selena Vega or Bianca Belair, but the most beautiful woman in WWE. Talked about not having noticed for a title shot. Not to get prepared, but to have her hair and nails done, of course. Then out comes Liv Morgan. She does get a decent reaction as, to be, as well, to be fair. She talks about Vega and uh, Carmella getting beat every single goddamn week. She fancies a title shot and Carmella takes the piss for her sittering and catering. Anyway, Bianca Belair's had enough of all this. She wants the match with Becky Lynch tonight. And Lynch just goes, nah, walks off. And then the rest of them just massively brawl as we go into the break. And I went, oh, cool. So it'll be a fatal four-way match when we come back. And that's exactly what it was. But before we talk about that... How did uh, Becky Lynch's return go for usage? Uh, bored. Bored, bored, bored. Here's the thing. Everyone thought, right, it's a bad idea purely because even though Becky Lynch had waned in popularity and was starting to get a little bit obnoxious, time heals all wounds, the big cliche of the injured or in Exodus heel through not being on the television program that normalizes everybody stopped feeling normalized and was going to get a big pop and this company needs all the baby faces it can get. That didn't happen. It didn't happen by all accounts per her request. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, I'm thinking, right, it's probably going to get rejected, but I can get on board with this heel turn for two reasons, even though the logic is a bit daft. One, uh, I was getting really sick of Becky Lynch, the baby face. And two, she's a really good performer. And if in fact she wants to play heel, at the expense of her merch, we know CM Punk, Jesus Christ, he told you mm -hmm. on Cole Cabana's podcast, when you turn heel, like your merch sales, poof, they get plummeted. So I'm thinking, look, if she is desperate to play heel, that is likely because she's got a thirst to do this. She's got a passion to play this role. And she comes out on SmackDown, and as you said, she just does some McGregor stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, is this all this is? This all it says, like, oh, I'm Irish, so I'm going to do McGregor stuff. Good. Like, uh, it's sub-McGregor, like, proper bait and switch. I just thought it was, like, artless. I was expecting, like, a proper good promo. If she really wanted to turn heel, mm. she'd have something major up her sleeve. And, you know, she wields a certain creative influence, hence why she's been allowed to play the role of heel in the first place. Come on, at least do a really good freaking comeback promo. It was one of those, like, WWE's just got this knack through the way it presents stars, through the way it scripted stars of just 
if it feels like she's never been away, it's because she's literally using patter that is years old at this <laughs> point. You know what I mean? Didn't do anything for me. Promo train. Yeah. Just everyone comes off looking like a dick. I guess it's fine for the heels, but like even Liv Morgan. And in the match itself, she came across very unlikable. Big swing and a miss for me. I'm a tall on this one because I agree with you. Yeah. If you're going to, I said when it happened at SummerSlam, I oh, got till Friday. And in a way, there was at least something, there was some acknowledgement of it. Obviously, we read more about, like you say, the heel turn in the, in the preceding days. And I don't want to sit here and say, WWE need to be less subtle about things because we know that it's probably this, this, uh, there's a uh, X or an O and it's either, I don't know all of you people, any explanation for what I did. I'm the champ and that's all that matters, you know, like that sort of thing. Or there's this, which I appreciate in terms of just a little subtle thing of, you know, insisting you won't apologize for anything you've ever done. That's, that's not all good things, that. And just going, no, you're an idiot to put the title online against me against SummerSlam in the last, se- last minute. No, I'm not going to face you. You can deal with all these and just pulling a face and just enjoying everyone else arguing whilst you sit atop the throne. I like that, but like you say... It, you're not going to turn around in three weeks and go, hey, but remind me when she did that big turn. It feels like maybe they're building towards it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe she's got, something's going to happen. You know, now Bianca Belair is, well, as we'll talk about in a second, he's the official number one contender. Maybe that's, they just tried to drag it on an extra week. But like you say, it wasn't like a definitive, well, the next time Becky Lynch's music hits, she's going to get booed out of the building. It's going to be this exact same thing, and then she's going to have to do something really dramatic to solidify that Hilton. But let's talk about Bianca Belair becoming the official number one contender for that SmackDown Women's Championship. It was a fatal four-way elimination match when we came back from the break. Uh, Carmella and Zelina Vega working together. They hoy uh, Bianca Belair out of the ring so they can focus on Liv Morgan. But then, of course, they start arguing. They can't get along. This gives Belair a chance to recover. She jumps in. She hits Vega with a clothesline. She throws Carmella out of there, and she hits the KOD on Zelina Vega. One, two, three. Zelina Vega is eliminated. Um, following that, Morgan, Liv Morgan, that is, um, has a back and forth with Carmella, and as Carmella comes off the rope, she hits that oblivion finisher of her to eliminate her. And good. These are the two people I was hoping were going to be the final two, and we all kind of knew it was going to go in that direction anyway. And uh, we have an entertaining... Match, uh, Morgan goes for Oblivion again, but on Belair, she blocks it, she picks her up, uh, goes for a suplex, but Morgan reverses it, double knees, two count off the back of that, and then the finish sees Bianca Belair drop Morgan on the turnbuckle, t- top turnbuckle twice, hit her with the KOD and get the victory. She is the number one contender. Um, uh, second half of this match, I quite enjoyed, I've got to be honest. Yeah, it was okay. I question the wisdom on this the greatest wrestling TV show of the week. I'm going to suck my cack. No, it isn't. You're compensating and you're very doing it uh, very transparently. I question the wisdom, given that one would expect Liv Morgan to resume hostilities with Zelina Vega. Christ, how long has this been going on for? The idea is, and it's not a good one, it's not a good story, Liv Morgan is sick of being looked over inexplicably for Zelina Vega and or Carmella, despite holding a better win-loss record or whatever. She's basically saying you lose all the time and you get more opportunities. That's true, but also dumb. Isn't she just someone else who's just lost a match? (laughs) Aren't they, if they do 
try and spin a story or a development from this next week, how can they possibly write anything other than Zelina Vega or Carmella going, well, actually, you lost as well. So we're all losers. Great. Why well, don't want to watch your fight? Um, you like to do a wildly exaggerated voice mm-hmm. as it pertains to one character on Monday Night Raw. And I'm going to borrow that inflection for this because, funnily enough, when you book two or three losers and one feud, the audience reaction is a, a pin up! Knee <laughs> <laughs> like, heat whatsoever for anything. When they're doing the bit where Vega and Carmella were like attempting to coexist, and no one gave a toss because they are losers in the storylines and no one wants to get behind a loser. And it's just going to be Naomi there going, at least you're having matches. It's just yeah. so hot. I don't know what they were doing, but we'll get to uh, that. Look, at the end of the day, it was a way of trying to build Bianca Belair for a rematch, which is ridiculous because 60% of the time they get rematches automatically. Yes. There's no consistency there. And in doing this to get to the rematch, which you could have simply have just done, you fooled in three people. They all look like losers through the elimination format, and you stick a promo train on it, and it's just a load of WWE bollocks mm. with like years out of date at this point, Conor McGregor impressions, because I don't really follow MMA, and he might be drawing still, but my perspective from the outside looking in is that Conor McGregor is no longer this love-to-hate or love figure with like undeniably great patter and charisma. I think everyone seems to think he's a total knob at this point. Yeah, he's a bit of an arsehole. And I know that Becky Lynch is that, but she's not. She, if she had to cut a promo, if she had to like tweak her knee on the way to the ring and cut a promo saying, I can't defend it, that would like the title, that would have been a nice nod, but she's trying to be Connor from 2016, and that just shows how woefully behind the times WWE is. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that should be WWE's tagline. It's just rather than like, must be Monday or then now forever or whatever it is. Should just be, except when there is. Yeah. Because like, there's no one like rematches. I mean, except when there is, obviously. Yeah. It's just preposterous. Anyway, we go to the back with, hey, Kayla! Uh, Kayla Braxton is there. She uh, goes up to Paul Heyman, asks where he stands with the whole Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar situation. He says, I stand in the same place I always do, next to my tribal chief. And then he tries to go in the locker room, but he can't get in because it's locked. Fully typical. Uh, we come back from the break. He's still just stood at the door. <laughs> He's just been stood there for the last three minutes. Uh, but the Usos walk out of the change room and say, oh, yeah, Roman's not here yet. Did you know Brock was going to show up at SummerSlam? He says, oh, no, I have no idea. Lesnar was there. And so he did send us to the back at SummerSlam. And he said, oh, no, I was just passing on the message from Roman. He wanted to send you to the back, not me. The users aren't too sure. I enjoyed this in terms of just laying out a few, you know, potential storyline points for them to go because that is one of the central intrigues of this. Obviously, Roman versus Brock is the big seller, but where Paul Heyman stands in amongst all this and the reaction to the rest of the bloodline is is intriguing. Yeah, it's halfway compelling. Um, what I liked most about this segment is the fact that Paul Heyman and Kayla Braxton have a certain chemistry mm. from their talking smack days. It's just nice to see two characters with real chemistry interact somewhat normally. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get with Heyman because, you know, he actually knows how to write and how to book these things and how to perform these things. This, I understand that Paul Heyman's going to be a key driver in this program. Much rather this than the two big stars 
having a petty dispute over who the manager is, that feels below stars of their stature. Mm. I'd much rather this was driven by the Usos and Heyman. So the best route to take it. Or you could have some real LTST. And you remember that go-home show before WrestleMania where they got a tug-of-war with the belt? What if they do that with Paul Heyman? And then you'll get some positivity troll arsehole on Twitter, put it over as if it's actually good. (laughs) Right. Uh, Let's move on to our buy, not bi-weekly, Bi-monthly, does that mean twice? It mean, That means every twice other month. month and also twice a month, doesn't it? It's, it's one of those weird... Basically, every two weeks, you get alternate weeks... Bi-monthly is once every two months. Okay. Bi-weekly is... Oh, I'm so confused. It doesn't matter. Regardless, every two you weeks... Made me like here. Every two weeks, you have... One week, you have Otis squashing someone. Yes. And the week after, you have Chad Gable in a match that never finishes. We go straight to DQ. This week, was Cesaro! Back to what they had been doing for ages. Um... I will say that. Oh, that thing they hit him with after they got DQ'd was, was quite the sight. Uh, Nia Jax been taking notes. Um, Chad Gable, you know, a bit good. It's Cesaro versus Chad Gable. It's going to be great. Northern Lights suplex hits, gets a near fall off that. Moonsault for another near fall. Um, uh, earlier on, Cesaro's tried to go for the, the giant swing, but, but Chad Gable's got out of it. Cesaro fights back, hits a hurricane runner off the top rope, gives Gable the swing, but in comes Otis, clatters him, DQ, of course, um, and then they hit him with the clothesline German suplex combo. He looked like he landed right on his neck. Uh, you know, we haven't heard anything, so we would assume he's fine. Uh, Otis goes up top and hits him with that big splash off the second turnbuckle as well. I know Andy Murray's not a fan of this Otis-Chad Gable combo, but they were, I just find there is something there of just Chad Gable never really winning a match, but just setting his boy onto people. If this does, in fact, happen every two weeks, can you simply splice in yes. what Hamford said about it two weeks ago? Because I can't really muster any thoughts on this, if I'm being perfectly honest. You don't get a match. And it's, you know, like, if it's like, oh, it's Nia Jax versus, uh, I don't know, Nikki, Nikki A.S.H. on Raw, and oh my God, someone interfered. Uh, good, it means I don't have to watch it. I'd quite like to, well, I'd quite like to have watched this, yeah. and I was quite enjoying it. But there's always the spectre mm. of the interference that always happens with these two teams. Um, they can't book, and they don't want to tell stories, and they don't want to meaningfully advance anything, because that would require a long-term plan. Uh, I've got no thoughts on this. Whatsoever. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Well, instead, let's get to one of the highlights of the show, and that was the debut of Happy Corbin. I'll try not to piss on your chips. I'll let you enjoy it first. (laughs) So uh, Kayla's waiting outside for Roman Reigns when who should roll up but not Roman Reigns? Baron Corbin in his new bloody Bentley. He won big in Vegas. He's doing great. They, They did a sort of a recap of... All of his highs and lows over in Vegas, the presidential suite back out to the cash only motel and then winning it all back, that sort of thing. He's got a new shirt, he's shaved his head, he's got a trimmed beard, and he's insistent that they say, Why don't we shorten that up? Why don't we call me Happy Corbin now? Um, and then he walks out to the ring, he's got new music, he's got a new Tron with bloody casino bollocks on it. Uh, he talks about all of this history and his problems, but says now. He's doing great. He's the happiest man in the world. And he uh, talks about losing to Big E at SummerSlam. And after that, he not only lost the Money in the Bank briefcase, that wasn't his in the first place, yes. but he only had 35 bucks in his pocket. Uh, but now his, his luck had turned around. He'd won big at the casino, and everyone hated him for it. Basically, he got booed out of the arena. Uh, he talked about his clothes, Bentley's wife coming back, and asked Big E, to come out to the ring and you think he's going to apologise. Big E gets a fantastic reaction, as he should. And he says he wants to square things up with Big E and buy the Money in the Bank briefcase off him. Offers him 20 grand. Big E says no. Offers him 50 grand. Big E says no. He says, look, final offer here. And let's not forget, quite a few people who've cashed in this Money in the Bank briefcase fail. And Big E was like, I mean, like you. He's like, yeah, like me. Perfect example. Uh, He offers him $100,000. Big E fakes... You know, can you know contemplating it and just goes down no, no, bollocks to you. But with all that money, maybe you could spend it on a half-eaten sandwich or a pencil or an Arkansas Razorback plush toy. Huge pop, biggest pop of the night for that sodding plush toy. They have to wait for them to sort of calm down for a split second. Anyway, Big E goes enough of this bollocks. Piss off or I'll knock you out. And Corbin goes, I'm in such a good mood. Okay, I'm going to go and just walked out. That was uh, Happy Corbin, his first um, performance in front of the WWE Universe. How was it for you, Sige? For me, it is a shame that the second W stands for wrestling because the second this half-decent bit of hashtag LTST, long-term storytelling, they have invested time we know from the mere trademark that this is a rare WWE long-term planner, of course. Friggin' Baron Corbin's the beneficiary of it. Performance-wise, it's the best work he's done. But then, I don't hate it. It goes a bit long. 
I really don't hate the thought applied to it. I do, in fact, like the idea of the person, if you like, in canon, Baron Corbin, just being so awful that he's getting taught karmic lesson after karmic yeah. lesson. And it's like, ah, oh, I'll just be more of a dick when <laughs> what happens to normal people doesn't happen to someone like me. I don't hate all that. But the second you put it in a wrestling-y context, and have like a baby face who I really like, have to do lines and comedy lines at his expense, scripted comedy lines, no less. I came away f- from this thinking... Oh, I don't like Big E as much as I used to. Mm. His lines weren't that great. He's making him John Cena because everyone has to be John Cena. And yeah, if WWE had just said like, we don't really like wrestling. We just like big daft spectacle and presentation and telling stories. I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate it. But then when Big E feels like less of a proper good baby face next to him, I still love Big E. And mm. I didn't love this segment. Yeah, I'm intrigued, again, to see <clears throat> where this goes next because there's been good some good stuff in there. It feels like one of, one out of every three weeks they take a bit of a misstep, and I think this might have been it. But we've established now he's rich, he's back to being happy. It's how he buggers up next, basically. Whether he, LTST, does the old Jericho knocking the coffee into Kane or whatever it was back in the day. Yeah. That would be funny. If he's just like, everything's great, celebrate, baby, and he knocks a thing onto Brock bloody Lesnar or yeah. something, that might be entertaining. But, yeah, I mean, I'm blinded when I look at Big E, so I always love him. But like you say, it wasn't anything to be to write home about. Or at least he didn't think, yeah, I mean, this is for a title shot, but that's money. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I hate you when they have to do stuff like that. So at least that was, that was some good stuff. Uh, right, and then we got uh, Edge. Uh, a, a footage from him earlier on the day talking about beating Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. He, uh, he said, I had to go to a dark place. Uh, He's been in a dark place for the past two years. And somehow it's not relatable. Like, so, so of us all, you're a bloody megastar professional wrestler. He's always going to dark, intense places, Edgeman. Cheer up, you miserable prick. I'd love that. To beat you, I have to go to a whimsical place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He doesn't have to say this, does he? No. To beat you, I had to like, like train really hard and yeah. like, study your moves. My favorite bit was when he had to hold his breath on the uh, promo before SummerSlam, so that big vein had stick out in his forehead. Yeah. That was enjoyable. I had to go to a dark place, brother. I had to do my brood entrance. So you didn't. You just had to win a friggin' match, man. Why is it always a dark, gritty, intense place with this f- yeah. f- guy? And it, it, you know, I could I could have forgiven all that if I hadn't discovered Gangrel was going to be on AEW and that ruined all that. Anyway, uh, Seth Rollins does a sort of response promo. I'll tell you what, there's, all, there's something about this Seth Rollins character. The fact that he can still sell me on, like, you know, he's lost clean to Edge, and he's still like, no, I'm still in, I'm still in the hunt here, because Edge was talking about he wants to win the Universal Championship. And Seth Rollins does that. He's really good when he's calmed down a bit at doing some facials. So he's like, I lost... But it's okay. I, I, I did like the, the way he did that sort of thing. Uh, he said, Edge, you won my respect in the most insincere way possible. Uh, and he wa- also wants a shot at Universal Championship, but he thinks he has to be more like Edge to win it. There was something about his delivery that I didn't hate. <laughs> it was a little bit eerie. Mm. He actually Ominous. tried to do something that was a little bit unsettling, did Seth Rollins, and this wasn't... Basically, I 
yeah, it's this intense warfare. Like, fuck off, man. I want to <laughs> I, I be entertained or intrigued. And the idea of Seth Rollins, gonna, he's, I'm assuming he's going to come out like full edge gear. He's going to wear like the brood glasses and he, maybe a kazoo. Maybe he can do these things that Edge, when he was entertaining, used to do. And Edge can like have a fight with him or something. I have not. But for C, Seth Rollins with a kazoo, maybe we'll get some patter involved in this feud at long last. <laughs> Finally. But like, he could start like doing his moves. Yeah. They've given themselves a decent direction with this for a sequel for once. Because I really like the match and how the idea was in the build. Edge said he was a better Seth than Edge of uh, Seth said he was a better Edge than Edge ever was. Edge by dusting off all these moves was like, well, you're great, but I've just been doing it longer. I really like that beat. And now if Seth Rollins can start doing those moves and stuff. There's an interesting thread here, I will say that. And Seth's delivery, I didn't cringe for once. Mm. Edge, I cringed. <laughs> but that's just Edge. Jeez, I had to go to a dark place. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Fun Bobby. I'm telling you, he is fun Bobby. And you know what? Apparently, Friends is like a massive hit amongst <laughs> the youth these days, you know? So maybe like any hip young listeners will think Sidgwick's cool. Quoting <laughs> it. Uh, worrying if he does go full edge for someone like Beth Phoenix. Uh, Roman Reigns uh, finally arrives. He goes to his locker room. Heyman's there, cap in hand sort of thing. Uh, Reigns is, is, is wondering what on earth Heyman's doing. Heyman's trying to shake his hand, trying to be all buddy-buddy with him. And then Reigns just stands in front of his door to his locker room and just, I, I really like this, just, what, I open my own doors now? And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, sir. Oh, yeah, opens the door. Uh, Reigns walks in. And Heyman's like hesitating, wait, you know, do I go in? Am, am I allowed or whatever? And he's like, you coming in or what? Like Roman's pretending nothing's gone wrong at SummerSlam. Just a wonderful character point. And they go in and, well, more on that a little bit later on. Uh, I talked about this in the news today. I've discovered it's no longer about the SmackDown 6. It is about the nine Bs of SmackDown, okay? What is this? So I've invented this over the weekend, right? So the nine Bs of SmackDown, that's what makes There's it so. There's no, no, not quite. I wish it was. Bloodline. That's sort of cheating so I can get Roman and the Usos in there. And Heyman, obviously. Brock. Bala. Becky. Bianca. Banks. <laughs> Baron. Corbin. Big E. And the best star of all, Boogs! He was on next. Uh, tagging with Shinsuke Nakamura against uh, their dirty dogs. Uh, and uh, Boogs, yet again, just a, a phenomenal showcase for the future world champion. Uh, just hoying dogs. Dog Ziggler is so good in these sorts of matches. What's that? You want me to chuck me around and wave my head about so my hair goes flying? Perfect. <laughs> just gets thrown all around the ring. Uh, eventually, the heels obviously take over. They isolate Boogs. They beat him down. Uh, they show a clip of Apollo Crews saying, I'm going to win my title back. And I went, no, you're not. Uh, Nakamura eventually gets the hot tag. He runs wild. He kicks Rude, sliding German suplex, sets up the Kinshasa, but Rude dodges it and rolls him up for a near fall. Nakamura's out on the floor. Ziggler hits a zigzag as we go to the break. Later on, though, Boogs is back in. He catches Ziggler with a back elbow and, again, just hoys him across the ring. Uh, hits a splash in the corner, running Bulldog for a near fall. Rude tries to distract him. That allows Ziggler to hit a super kick for a near fall. But Nakamura makes the save and then Boogs pump handle slam again on Ziggler. One, two, three. I love this man. I do like Boogs. I do like Boogs. The match was the match. It's yes. a WWE match. They're really hard to analyze. They are so patterned. 
Um, not say move for move, but like structure, like beat for beat. Boogs's stuff is very basic power guy stuff. Mm. And there are times when it doesn't feel like he's totally locked in. And he hasn't got the reps, so of course he isn't. But I find that there's an earnest charm to the way he yes. works. He's very, he just seems like the most wholesome personality. There are certain times where he hesitates to pick someone up and he does know his own strength, which makes him a considerably better wrestler than Nia Jax. <laughs> I'd much rather someone who's kind of like, right, okay, I'm just going to get you up right and then I'm going to slam you down. So there's a bit of hesitation on the part of Boogs, but that is because he's a guy who knows his own strength, his own limitations, and he's not fully there yet as a pro wrestler, even though he's doing a basic role. He was doing his big fire up babyface moment. And by the end, the fans got on board with them. There's a future for Boogs yet. And they've covered their arse, because even if fans don't like him, as long as they react, cheer or boo, they can just go, well, they're cheering him by saying Boogs. Yeah. They're booing him. They're saying, <laughs> they saying boo or Boogs. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, this was the be in the back with Naomi coming in. And I thought, brilliant, Naomi's here. Fantastic. We'll put her in a match right now. That's exactly what she was there for. She's excited to be on SmackDown and doing that sort of thing. And Sonya Deville goes, I'll be honest, I didn't even know you were going to be here tonight, love. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably Postman Pierce doing something behind my back or whatever. And Naomi's like, is trying. Is still a thing? I don't know. It isn't, it isn't. It isn't until it is. Like, yeah, that's yeah, literally. Yeah. Uh, she tries to go through, like, all her incredible accomplishments, being a multi time world champion, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Sonia Deville goes, Yeah, yeah, bugger off. Um, I'll have a think about it. Oh, just, I mean, it. And they get what they're trying to do. They're frustrating the fans, and they're bloody doing a good job of it because I was furious after this. Well, uh, there's no consistency to the Adam Pierce, Sonia Deville stuff. Sometimes they just act as just rubbish devices to make matches on behalf of the squabbling people. Um, a, a, rare, a rare good comment I read on Squared Circle. Ooh. Ready for this? Go on. Someone has said on Squared Circle today... If everyone on WWE television simply behaved on one night, there would be no show. <laughs> if these little worker bee children weren't having conniption fits at the fact that they're not booked for matches or I'm not getting opportunities, then there would simply be no show because there's no card and there's no nothing. I just it's, like the idea of them saying, don't worry, hey, this is the new WWE in 2021. There's gonna, there is not going to be an authority figure. It's con- There's going to be plural authority figures. It's consistent with something I've been hating about WWE's TV for years and years and years. It was just a succinct way of putting it. And along those lines, it's like, why bury someone tacitly by having someone in a position of power just say, oh, no, you're a bit rubbish and I'll work out a slot for you? If it's a promoter... One, they wouldn't be on the show. They would be promoting the show in the background. And you want to promote your talent. Realistically, mind you, you can have flaws for your characters. You're green. You're not that experienced. You're on a bit of a losing streak or whatever. But you should, nine times out of ten, depending on the story you're telling, want these people to be on your show because they're stars and they're winners and they're whatever. Don't have someone be an inconvenience... (laughs) To the authority figure, like what a knob, and a feckless little nerd. And it was Naomi it, looked in this segment. It's like when they used to have guest hosts. We had a flashback to that on the Raw review today. We used to have guest hosts, and the guest host would be like, "Sorry, who are you?" Like, do you not think that maybe it's better that like 
Janice from the Milwaukee Bucks, and they're like, yeah, look at Jurassic Express, look at the Lucha Bros. Like, this yeah. is awesome. Not like, sorry, who are you? And then just kowtowing and be like, oh, hello, sir, I'm blah, blah, blah. They just make the performers feel and look like assholes. Can't wait to watch them on uh, every Friday. I'm ready for a good time. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm ready for. Dominic Mysterio turned his dad. Uh, <laughs> Ray was giving him a little pep talk, and Dom was like, yeah, yeah, shut up, dad. Uh, and he's like, time for you to succeed on your own, son. I booked you in a match, but I have no idea who it's against, which I thought was a hilarious little, don't worry, son, I've got you with this sorted. Who am I facing, Dad? I don't know. <laughs> Best of luck, though. Goes out. It could be fucking Omas. Equality brand. Turns out back. Nice to know you. Remember when he threw you against a fucking wall? Yeah. <laughs> Round two, baby. Um, it's Sami Zayn, though. Brilliant. Good. More Sami Zayn. And I'm going to have to try and crowbar him into my nine Bs of SmackDown now. Ten Bs. Sammy Bizain. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, so, anyway, uh, it's Sammy versus uh, Dominic Mysterio. Dominic uh, gets some good offense in. Dropkick, Hurricane Rana goes to the six one nine. Sammy Zayn just holds the ropes open. Dominic goes flying through them. Really enjoyed that spot, obviously, at that point. Dead comes down to ringside to make sure his son's okay. Um, Dominic is doing well, though. He's, 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 doing, he's hitting all the big moves. Elbows in Seguri. Hits a 619. Goes for the big frog splash. But the wily Sami Zayn rolls, not out of the ring, but to the opposite side of the ring so that he can't obviously reach that fall. So Dominic, Dominic jumps down, runs towards Zayn. Zayn immediately catches him. Explodes suplex into the corner. Haluva kick. One, two, three. Sami Zayn wins. Always good to be saying that. Uh, and Ray tries to comfort and talk to Dominic, and he goes, leave me alone, Dad, you don't understand anything, and storms off, and I thought, 24 years old, man. <laughs> I thought, yeah, we're on the way. Yeah. He's at least six or seven years removed from the whole, I'm embarrassed to be with you. Hmm. It's like having a, it's, you're just having a pint. Yeah, having exactly, a pint nowadays, yeah. Uh, I, I went full, I don't know what film it's from, but you know the Jack Nicholson meme where he just nods. Anger management. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, yes, yeah, go, on. go on. Welcome to the dark side. Uh, the thing is, it's class because you want a young man in his 20-somethings, in his 20s, to get battered. I want to watch someone who can't act a moat. So we both want the same thing, and I feel like it's coming. And then when that happens, I'll be happy. When I was watching this, I was unmoved. I can't wait till the, the dark has to run through the dome and I just do it. <laughs> Show his grit. <laughs> Dominic Mysterio going... God damn it, Dad. Like Dom, you're going to go out there, you're getting 10 minutes, and you're getting a spotlight. Good luck. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Uh, Dominic Mysterio is an emotional void, not unlike David Flair. <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a shout. Like, oh, God. There are certain things he did in this match, mechanically, not that it's impossible to have a bad match against Sami Zayn, did some nice rope work. He was in position for everything. Some of his stuff looked way cleaner and crisper than it has over the past two months. And yet, Dominic Mysterio, being a bit of a vacuum, does nothing. And maybe it's just a WWE thing. Maybe he could go to AEW Dark for a five-match run and be the rock, who knows. But he just doesn't have any sort of intangible ability like his dad to drag you into the heart yeah. and soul of a pro wrestling match. He's just got uh, very little about him, does Dominic Mysterio. He can work a gentleman's three with Sami Zayn all you want. If you're going to do a storyline with an emotional heft of a father-son dissolution, 
then you're going to have to be a dom site better than you are now, right now. And he's going to lose his surname, probably. I would assume he's going to be like, I don't want to be associated with that name anymore, so we're going to get Dominic. Surprise, that's snap now already? Yeah. That's the way things go, don't they? All uh, right, main event time. Uh, they are in Gorilla, and uh, Paul Hamill wasn't sure whether he you know, wants... Do you want me to come out or not? It's a, it's, no, it's a family celebration. We're all going out there. You're a wise man, Paul. You're a part of the family. I love you. They all come out. They all celebrate. They hold up their titles. Pyro, left, right, and center. Uh, Reigns has a little word in Heyman's ear, and Heyman says, congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Tribal chief is going to allow you to allow you to acknowledge him, and more booze rain down. And another word, and the Usos, more booze. And you know, let's talk about the man who beat John Cena at SummerSlam. We've seen enough, all that sort of stuff. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Finn Balor's music hit. He walked out down to the ring. Uh, he's on the mic. He says, "Look, I got screwed out of my title shot at SummerSlam. I will deal with Cena eventually." Not yeah, sure no, you won't. Uh, but he said, I was going to challenge you for a title match at Extreme Rules. But instead, I want one next week, which got a surprising reaction half the time when they come out and say, I want a title shot, and it's not that night. If you were, everyone must have been looking at their watch going, yeah, no shot <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, I want a title shot next week. Uh, gets in their ring, throws the mic at Reigns, big brawl breaks out. Of course, the numbers game catches up to him. But the Street Profits run out to make the save. They clear the ring. Balor hits a coup de gras on Jimmy Uso. And we close the show wondering or not whether Roman Reigns will accept that title match for next week. I'm fairly certain it has happened already because I thought they were advertising it possibly on last night's show. But uh, yeah, not what we were expecting. Like I said, we were expecting Brock Lesnar, but Finn Balor challenging Roman Reigns. What did you make of it, Sige? Uh, it's hard, right? Because I think it would be very naive to think of Finn Balor as this main event level guy on SmackDown right now. And it doesn't help at all that he's sort of been sandwiched between Cena and Brock Lesnar as Roman Reigns' big opponents. He feels like the guy that you watch when the real stars have gone home. Mm. And it doesn't help optics-wise that they did this ridiculously pointless thing with Finn Balor during the Cena-Reigns build ahead of SummerSlam. So needless in terms of relegating a guy before your very eyes and making him feel like a non-concern. The fact that it's happening for a second time, oh, we're getting Balor because Brock's not here. All it does is gradually convey the idea that Finn Balor is just a guy on the roster. I can understand they wanted something big for SummerSlam and Brock isn't going to do extreme rules because he's going to do Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia pays more. Hardly great baby face stuff, <laughs> but I half get it. And of course, every pro wrestling company should have not multiple stories for every single performer, but key people should have more than one thing going on mm -hmm. so they can pivot a different direction so it can feel more realistic and more immersive and whatever. But Finn Balor increasingly feels like a busted flush on SmackDown who's just there to fill weeks at a time. It was hard enough buying John Cena as a credible threat to Roman Reigns' title. Less than credible for Finn Balor next week. Presumably it ends in a schmoz. I don't know. I just 
He genuinely is someone who could benefit from moving to, to moving to Raw, couldn't he? Because he, I'd buy him as a, a major challenger. He's got, you know, he's beaten Bobby Lashley in the past. Let's not forget, we were there when he beat him at WrestleMania, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They forgot that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I hope they don't just go. Well, what can we get, do to get Roman Reigns' character even more over? Give him the demon, beat him, beat, have him beat the demon. Like I, I don't know, but but I don't know anyone. No one knows who this new Prince with an X character is on the SmackDown brand because he was on NXT, which very few people watched. Yeah. He simply came back as a guy who beat Sami Zayn, who hasn't, realistically, throughout the years, and has then been screwed by John Cena, and he's now threatening Roman Reigns, and it's like, this isn't it, like, at all. He's meant to be this new, refined killer. Not getting those vibes whatsoever. Um, this is a flat ending for me. R- impossible to take seriously, with any credibility. Mm. Yeah, he needs to do something major when it comes to maybe the Usos get fed to him or something. I don't just know. needs to like not need to turn back time and not get senselessly removed from that. What was that rubbish with Roman? These things matter because when you get to something like this, you think, "Oh, him? Ah, oh. no, not him," because he's been normalized. Mm. He would be fine as an interim B-level challenger. The merits of which I will never dispute if they hadn't made him look like a tosser and made John Cena look like a tosser, even though he's the baby. Like, what if that Roman Reigns, John Cena stuff was rubbish? I tried to tell you it was rubbish. <laughs> when you see something as drab and flat and as non-dramatic as this segment was on Friday, it's because I was right. Well, there we go. That's the SmackDown review. Do let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Got the Raw review, this review, the uh, AW Rampage review coming out today, and of course, our preview ahead of NXT tonight. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we. We'll see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So... What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.